Welcome to Danny Goldberg's Rock and Rolls Hour. This podcast is an expression of our shared connection, and we are dependent on you, our community, for support. Please go to mindpodnetwork.com slash Danny and either click on the donate button or bookmark the Amazon link through which we get a small percentage of all your purchases. Your support will allow Danny to continue his captivating talks and interviews. Hi, this is Danny Goldberg, and this is Rock and Rolls for MindPod Network. I've been taught that there are many paths to the same truth. One path that inspired me is the unmarked dirt road known superficially as the 60s. Not the media cartoon, but the real soul of what became known as the counterculture. It was such an influence on me and millions of others searching for an alternative to established religions that to so many of us seemed narrow at the time and to materialism, which was the dominant American belief system in the post-war period. My guest today, Paul Krasner, is a giant figure in the reality and the mythology of the 60s. He was a member of the Merry Pranksters, co-founder of the Yippies, and most famously the editor of the magazine The Realist, which was first published in 1958 and continued in various forms until 2001. A complete archive of The Realist and other information about Paul is online and can be found via paulkrasner.com, P-A-U-L-K-R-A-S-S-N-E-R.com. Paul's also the author of a couple of dozen books, including his autobiography, Confessions of a Raving Unconfined Nut, and the recently reissued Sex Drugs, Patty Hearst and the Twinkie Murders. He was the editor of his friend Lenny Bruce's autobiography, How to Talk Dirty and Influence People. Between 1996 and 2005, he recorded six albums for labels that I ran, a great source of pride to me. Paul is and was a contemporary and friend of Allen Ginsberg, Abby Hoffman, Wavy Gravy, Phil Oaks, Tim Leary, Ken Kesey, Bob Dylan, The Grateful Dead, and Ram Dass, among many others. In fact, when I first met Ram Dass in the early 70s, I asked him if he ever thought I'd be conscious enough to banter with someone like Paul Krasner. So I guess I finally made it. Paul, before I push the record button, I asked you if you were an atheist or an agnostic, and you said that you were a free thinker. Um, do you ever meditate, pray, talk to yourself, or, or, or do things to think about yourself in a different way than your public and physical identity? Oh, yeah. Yeah. As a, as a non-believer, I have many discussions with the God that I don't believe exists, um, I just just had one uh, uh, bef- before uh, we started to have this dialogue. I, I, I spoke to God and said, uh, uh, please help me do a good interview. <laughs> and, and God said, shut up, you superstitious fool. <laughs> when when you uh, you have a rap uh, about uh, Lenny Bruce that you told me and that I noticed on one of your websites, uh, about hearing his voice in your head after, after he uh, 
passed away. W- would you uh, would you recount that? Oh yeah, I don't, I, I, and uh, you don't know that even the the reason behind that. Uh, I, I've been thinking since Lenny Bruce died in 1966. Uh, uh, I I kept in communication with him by just having known him as a, his touchstone, and so. Um, uh, of the six albums you did, uh, I was already thinking that, that I wanted to write a, a book about a contemporary Lenny Bruce, uh, as he would, you know, wondering what he would say about this, what was his take on that, and so I, um, I, I wanted, I wanted to have the sections of the novel uh, to uh, have uh, performances. Uh, by this character, and so uh, uh, the best way for me to to do that was to uh, perform on stage uh, and tape them, uh, and and uh, I did that. I did that for all six albums, and uh, uh, so at one point I I thought um, that uh, I felt like I was channeling Lenny. Uh, and it, it really felt like that until one day when um, Lenny said to me, uh, "Hey, Paul, come on, uh, you know, you know, you don't believe in that shit channeling. Come on," and and that was our last dialogue. Uh, <laughs> so, do you think there's any possibility that was really him, or something other than your own unconscious mind, or do you think that was you talking to yourself? Um, Oh, it was I, it was uh, uh, me talking to myself. There, there was a conversation I was having about this with uh, George Carlin once, and and I said to him, uh, uh, "Did you ever one of those? Did you ever notice uh, that whenever people pray, they're talking to themselves?" So I believe that, and and I don't, and I respect it because you know because uh, it's just a way of of uh, a comforting oneself what about uh, dreams do you remember your dreams uh y- yes i do yes some of them some of them which uh i'll i'll tell you one which because i had never written about this but it but it, but i will have my uh, protagonist uh, in in the novel have this i'm just transferring my what my dream to him uh but um uh, there's, um, I think this is almost a universal dream of people, of pe- people being chased, and um, uh, and so I was I was being chased, and I'm running in my dream, and this guy's character, sort of like the Hulk, is catching up with me, and I suddenly stop, I turn around, and as he's coming towards me. I grab him by the thumb and because I realize I'm dreaming, but I'm going to take this guy with me to my uh, awakened state. And I woke up and there I was holding tightly on my thumb. So <laughs> that, that was uh, an epiphany dream, uh, you, you know, and it's, it's really like a, a great metaphor uh, because uh, when you have dreams, you, you play all the characters. Right. Do you uh, have um, a name when you're dreaming? I can. I never have a name when I'm dreaming. I'm just me. Is the is that? Uh, are you Paul when you're dreaming, or are you just you? 
oh well i'm me i mean i know my name but uh uh y- y- you know i uh I, so I never had to uh, to say it or, or think about it. So, so you've written a lot about taking uh, LSD. When was the first time you took LSD? Uh, that was in 1965 uh, at uh, Millbrook, uh, the upstate New York uh, a pl- place where uh, where Tim Leary and uh, Ram Dass. Um, he was then known, known as uh, Richard Alpert. Uh, uh, th- this was like the research center that uh, it was like a mansion, and uh, it belonged to uh, wealthy people who, I guess, uh, let him borrow it. And um, so uh, it was there. Uh, Leary was supposed to be my guide, uh, but he was in India and couldn't quite make it. Uh, then uh, Ram Das was going to be my uh, uh, guide, but uh, he was going to open up as a, ph- ph- uh, as a psychedelic uh, humorist philosopher at the Village Vanguard in New York. And uh, so he was in a bathtub si- trying to psych-, psych himself up. So, uh, uh, so I ended up having a, uh, my... Uh, guide was Michael Hollingshead, who was the first uh, uh, guy who turned Leary on. So it, it, it went full cycle. And what was your, um, you know, is there anything you can remember to share about that and, and thoughts about the nature of who you are, existence, why that's a different reality or the same reality as, as what seems to be the rest of life? Uh, yeah, well, I... Um, there was we kept getting postponing uh, there. I was there, and so I, I was just uh, snacking on whatever I could find out uh, uh, in, in the uh, refrigerator in the big kitchen. And I was really uh, uh, eating, not not taking in, into my mind that that uh, that might be the good thing to do uh, to, to eat food before taking my first acid trip. Uh, so anyway, when it, so at one point I'm up in the room and um, uh, I suddenly realized that I have to throw up and, and fast. And so I just opened this little window that was on the roof. And, um, and as I was regurgitating uh, and it was just kind of peaking, I was seeing this beautiful swirling colors of, of my vomit. And uh, <laughs> so, I, so that was a good start. I thought. Mm, mm. So, um, what uh, what else uh, about about acid would you say was uh, worthwhile and connect, you know and gave you insights to the extent you can articulate them uh, different from your life as a, you know as a satirist and an activist? What 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 is this particular? contribution of LSD to your to your head uh it gave me a a sense of um infinite time and space just existing it uh in that concept that the concept was impossible for me to grasp if I would think too much of infinite time and space I would get a headache Mm. uh so uh I so I realized that I just had to play with the mystery not uh not uh uh codify it and so um i so 
what happened was that I was um, uh, I felt so so humble though in, in that space, and I and I uh, and I was so I tr I try to test myself. Uh, I try to think of the war that was going on in Vietnam, and um, and I realized that in that infinite space. Uh, that was just one absurd little thing happening, you know, it, uh, uh, in terms of, uh, of of measuring it with infinity, which is impossible. And so, uh, I it 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 released me. It took uh, any burden off trying to understand and with the the mystery and just trying uh, to play with it. To, uh, that it was absurdity. Uh, Absurdity became my religion. Hmm. You know, I think a lot of people who are mystics of one kind or another, whether it's devotees of a guru or pe people in your nonverbal category or whatever, have to balance that sense of an infinite and vast reality and then sort of trying to be a decent person in day-to-day -day life. And you obviously came down from that particular trip and, and were involved for many, many, many years and still are as an activist trying to deal with day-to-day -day injustice as you see it. How do you juxtapose that sense of absurdity and still trying to day-to-day -day do what you can? Um, oh, because it's, it's a matter of, um, um, let's see if, if, I, if I can get the, the, the words. My, my, my vocabulary is leaking um, that there is this kind of Zen detachment simultaneously with um, a um, with with mindfulness going on. It's it's like two uh, uh, like the positive and negative of a battery uh, or some aspect uh, of that that uh, you know or two sides of the same coin um you could, there's probably different uh uh metaphors for it but i th but i think that uh it's uh, being aware of the hara even while you're enjoying being a lot uh alive and so it's a paradox and um um i feel like groucho marx and that's a nice paradox if i ever saw it um, well, but not just to change the subject for a minute, the, the, you were very close with and one of the founders of the Yippies and people around the Yippies. And a lot of the people who had the highest profile, I'm thinking particularly of Phil Oaks, Jerry Rubin and Abby Hoffman, all of whom you were very close to, in addition to what they contributed intellectually and in terms of their courage and idealism, s seemed from my point of view to have had a lot of anger and angst, uh, all died young two for sure by their own hand. Um, you do not ever exude that. You have sort of a cheerfulness and a, um, and a positivity while still being a contemporary of those radicals and one of them. Do you have any sense of, of what inside you is different from, from them? Oh, I, I think, I think I, didn't take my, I didn't take myself as seriously as my causes. Hmm. Uh, and... Um, uh, but but you know, uh, Abby and Jerry were uh, like uh, uh, Abby was like the 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 right lobe of the brain, which is spontaneity and and trusting your instincts. Uh, 
and Jerry was uh, the other uh, lobe, the left lobe, which is uh, very calculating, uh, uh, being very careful, thinking of it, of what you say. Um, uh, Lenny was a uh, 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 he could have been a, a, a stand-up comedian, and uh, he he was so wit- spontaneously witty. Whereas Jerry listened to Lenny Bruce albums before he went out to make a speech. So, um, and, and, and so I remember that um, Le- um, Abby and I, the first time that, that we met and we went to uh, a little coffee shop in the East Village, which was then known as the Lower East Side. And um, we had just come from a, a, an anti-war rally and uh, and so we're sitting there having our soup, and we didn't discuss politics at all. We discussed religion. Um, uh, I, I I remember uh, um, that he said when he was in college, uh, he he uh, asked one of the professors. He said, "How you know? There's an oxymoron, uh, and one at one point, uh, Jesus Christ says to God." Um, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, but then he he also said uh, at, at another oca- uh, occasion, um, uh, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the professor said to Abby, well, you got to understand, there were different guys writing that stuff. <laughs> so. Not possible that there's one... Uh Number one, that it was not written in English, that it was not that it was thousands of years ago where words meant different things, and that maybe one consciousness could have things that appear to us as contradictions, but to them make sense. Uh, uh, oh well, sure, you know, but uh, uh, you know, who knew? Maybe Dr. Seuss wrote that stuff. I I don't know. Well, he but would, anyway, so he would be the real two thousand year old man if Dr. Seuss wrote it. Oh well, uh, I have to I have to deal with that. I, I, but I just wanted to to, to uh, drop the other shoe of, of uh, Abby and, and religion when we were um, uh, we, we had seen we were we were taking a work vacation in in Florida, the Keys, and there was a hurricane coming, and uh, and we were tripping on acid. And uh, we were going to see the uh, Abby's favorite movie, The Professionals, with uh, I think it was Kirk Douglas and uh, uh, the guy who played Elmer Gantry, um, Burt Lancaster. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so I think it was called The Revolutionist. I think was what it was called, but it was his favorite movie. Uh, but it, the hurricane was coming, so instead we just went instead to. Uh, the Dinos de Laurenti version of uh, the Ten Commandments, or the Bi- I think the Bible it was. And so driving back as the hurricane is continuing, I said, that thing about uh, Abraham uh, uh, killing, gonna, ready to kill his life, uh, his son, because uh, God told him to, I said, that, that's, um, that, that's blind obedience. And, and Abby said, no. It's um, revolutionary trust. Uh, 
Mm. And 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 that that just stayed with me. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you you know, it was um, it was another. It, we each, we had different metaphors of uh, for the same mystery. Right, right. And oddly enough, he seemed to have a little more sympathy for for it. Uh, um, you're you're in your eighties now. I'm in my sixties. Um, what what's different about being in your eighties? Uh, well, 83 is the new 82. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's different. I, the older I get, the more my, the more my priorities fall in place. Uh, and, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to replace, uh, uh, input with output. Um, and, um, uh, so, you, you know, I, I'm in awe of, 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 just being alive, uh, uh, and um, uh, I and I, I appreciate it uh, more and more. I mean, I always have, but uh, and uh, of course, I, I think of death every day, uh, just because it's one day closer. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, so I want to get a lot of stuff uh, done. Uh, right now, I have uh, t- two things on on, on my uh, uh, bucket. Uh, one is uh, t- to to write that novel, and the other one is to uh, uh, organize my archives, uh, which is uh, that the translation of that is all the crap in my garage, uh, and uh, uh, and so uh, those are the two things, uh, and and just. Uh, 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 y- you know, realize the the uh, basic uh, significance of of friends and family. Uh, you know, and and beyond that, uh, all of the different tribes. You know, when you say counterculture, there are so many different kinds of counterculture, uh, new ones all the time, mm. and uh, other ones simultaneously, and and. Uh, I covered all, all of them, cults too, you know, and uh, uh, and I got scared sometimes. I got scared when I was investigating Scientology. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, it, uh, you know, and and then I would I would try to deal. What am I afraid of specifically? So it, so I, I I I really do overflow with introspection. <laughs> When when you sent an email recently with a link to a film I love about uh, about Tim Leary and Ramdas and their relationship and it centers a lot around uh, Leary's death and a lot of talks about death. What are your reactions to that movie and the different ideas that they both expressed about it? Oh oh, I loved that movie. I and I, it made me tear up and it made me laugh uh, and. Uh, and and, and and since uh, I was lucky enough to be close friends with both of them, uh, it was um, it was just uh, uh, it was really when I first read researched uh, LSD because I, I, I because I didn't take any drugs at all. Uh, you know, I I I I, I, I didn't take aspirins. I didn't take. Uh, any kind of drugs at all. I was. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke cigarettes. So I was a real purist in that way. Uh, and then when I read uh, the negative 
uh, media uh, uh, stuff about the dangers uh, uh, brain damage could be controlled uh, could be caused by LSD that kind of stuff but when I met Leary and uh, Richard Alpert I was I was just uh, delighted with how sharp they were how sharp their minds were and I thought well if that's brain damage I'm go- uh, count me in Mm. And so, um, uh, um, uh, and, and so, um, you know, I, I, I missed uh, Leary, uh, of course. I, I miss him. And uh, Ram Dass, uh, the last, uh, uh, the thing that, that stuck me, uh, stuck with me uh, was when I taped a, uh, a conversation uh, interview that we were doing. Uh, and uh, I, the last question I said to him was, uh, if you uh, and I uh, switched our uh, philosophies, if, if, uh, if I believed in, uh, if I believed in reincarnation and you didn't, how would that change our behavior? And he thought for just a, a, a second, and then he said, well, if you, uh, believed in, if you believed in reincarnation, you would never ask a question like that. And, uh, and then he, 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 uh, it, it, he hadn't planned that, and it was a spontaneous thought, and, and he started laughing at it. You know, he was kind of pleased with... Uh, how how that was this kind of Zen Cohen that he that he was able to articulate it like that, and uh, and he laughed and his laugh was like a, a kind of triumphant thing and then come it was like a a, a bell class is that the way what it is when they call it that shape, um, and um, and I kept that tape and. Uh, with his laughter, and I would play that over and over again, like a piece of music that mm. I, I, a melody I, I, I was attached to. So I know you also knew Allen Ginsberg and did interviews with him in The Realist. And both Allen and Ram Dass do believe there's something beyond this physical life. And do you think they're delusional, or or <laughs> do, do you... <laughs> well, I. I don't think of them as delusional. I think of them as optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, you, you, you know, uh, Wavy Gravy says, uh, uh, he says, well, you know, if, if there is an, a, a, a life here after, I haven't gotten any complaints from anybody. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm always intrigued by what people think of their afterlife. Uh, you know, and if there's a heaven and hell, you know, what would they be? Uh, hell would be, um, uh, uh, it would be TV telethons uh, uh, for diseases uh, that are uh, the only thing on television. And you have to <laughs> listen to it from over the decades. You know, watch Jerry Lewis just uh, uh, still singing out of tune. Uh, it, you know, uh, and heaven would be, um, um, it would be, you know, there's a thing that Mark Twain said. There is no, uh, uh, there is no laughter in heaven uh, because uh, the... Uh, 
because if because humor is uh, uh, the difference between what is and what should be. And if heaven uh, uh, is perfect, uh, then there's nothing to laugh about that. So, uh, uh, so I, I uh, so you know, uh, so that's 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 my my, my conception of, of of the afterlife. So that's why I don't believe it. Your reservations about it, yeah. Well. I mean, reservations. You have to make a reservation to go to hell. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's a lot of conceptions other than Judeo-Christian heaven and hell thing, which seems always seem cartoonish and linear to me or or that. I mean, there's the mystery. There's the idea that there's just something we don't understand and Uh and uh, that that it's possible that maybe maybe we'll understand something later. I I don't know. but thank you for that. Let me. Uh, you sent a link to me, uh, possibly anticipating this, and maybe it was just an e- email you're sending of a Sufi dance, a Sufi zikr dance. How come you sent it, and what what was it about that 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 uh, that um, that affected you? And if you don't mind, I'll just say for a minute what I, I I was just trying to figure out: Are they high? Are they transcendent? Are they just doing it for a political reason? Because it's something in Chechnya. What what was what was your thoughts about 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 all that? Um, okay, well, these these, these were uh, Sufis in uh, um, uh, a. I'm trying to remember the word for it. It was if there was a word for it, but they were uh, jogging ar- around in huge in a huge circle. I don't know, hundreds and hundreds. I think. Yeah, it looked like a couple of hundred people. And uh, and they were. I'm trying to remember if they were making sounds. Uh, I think was, there were some sounds. I couldn't yeah. understand what they were, but they were low, right. low voices sounds. It reminded me of uh, Tibetan chants almost. Uh, right, but but these were you see could see close ups, and there were. Uh, it, it's hard to describe, but it was it was riveting. I couldn't. I I, I just watched it over and over because it was. Um, uh, because they, it was getting them high. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. But you know, people go to uh, 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 football games because, uh, and they don't think of it consciously. But they're screaming. They want the team to win, and they're cheering everything. And and it's uh, it's getting them high. Uh, people, you know, people go to rock concerts even if they're not stoned. Uh, just yelling for the bands for that music it really and dancing around that gets so high i mean uh, there are uh, uh, virtually uh, un- un- innumerable ways of getting high uh, but as as Alan Watt, the British philosopher, said that it 's just taking the express you know it 's uh, uh, so it's going cross country, but you're going by uh, an airplane rather than a, a car. But don't you think there's some difference between uh, there's a sense of community of rooting with a group of people for a team that's exhilarating. I, I go to sports sometimes, particularly I love doing it with my son and it's really fun. But it to me is very different from, say, being on acid or mescaline. And, and I think, you know, there's there's all different levels of high like and it, it seemed to me that whatever their 
experiencing was a little different from from a crowd at a at a, at a concert or a football game. I, but do you really think it's all just one thing? The idea of a, oh, of a group no, th- experience, or would you differentiate it in some way? And if so, how would you differentiate? Oh it? well, it's it's not either or. Uh, uh, the last time I went to a baseball game, and it was decades ago. Uh, I was I went with uh, this was uh, in uh, Berkeley in um, Oakland, um, and I went with uh, Country Joe McDonald and uh, Ratso Larry Sloman, mm. and uh, and we were all tripping on acid, and uh, so uh, we didn't have to, but we went to, to enhance the experience. Mm. Uh, and and that and so I I, uh, I, I always uh, um, I I always felt that it w- I was having a good trip uh, even uh, even if uh, uh, p- people I was with uh, you know I would try to calm them down. I mean that seemed to be my job if if. Uh, uh, if I was there and it was happening, uh, but it, um, but basically it was uh, for enhance for um, expanding consciousness, hmm. and and uh, so, uh, and I think that happened with me, you know, that in in terms of um, uh, realizing that it was just an expansion of where uh, what people were already. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, Tim Leary uh, was talking about how people who are Catholic uh, uh, re- remain Catholic, but it's expanded their vision of uh, Catholicism. Mm. And, and this could be anybody, not necessarily religion. Uh, Leary once uh, gave me the phone where I could hear he was a, a, a stockholder, uh, was uh, uh, calling him up to thank him. Uh, for turning him on to acid because it gave him the courage to sell short. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, it, it, it's totally subjective. Okay. Um, just to switch to politics for a moment. Um, one thing I notice certainly in your writing, your email, you very much don't want to define yourself as a liberal. And, uh, you know, to me, a lot of that, from my own resistance to that word, was the, um, uh, uh, you know, Vietnam-era liberals, because they were responsible for the Vietnam War. But, and Phil Oaks' song, to me, was the epitome of making that observation. Love me, I'm a liberal. But other than not being a liberal, do you have a way that you would define what your politics are? I mean, the word progressive is so vague, both Bill Clinton and Bernie Sanders claim them. Radical could mean left or right. Uh, How would you define your your political views? Uh, mm, Well, that comes out of my uh, irreligious views. I I, I was a militant atheist when I first uh, uh, understood uh, what was going on in the world and and that uh, God wasn't stopping it. Uh, and you know he just he he's always ha- gave me an excuse. Well, you know I want you to have free will, uh, and so I'm not going to interfere. Uh, so, uh, uh, but in the '60s, at one point, uh, I, I I changed uh, because um, 
Martin Luther King uh, was a Christian, uh, but I, I was so ad admiring of what he stood for. Uh, George Lincoln Rockwell, uh, the head of the American Nazi Party, uh, referred to himself as an agnostic, and I, I, he, he was uh, uh, had an evil outlook. So, um, I, uh, so it didn't make any difference to me uh, uh, after that of, of what people believed. It was just, uh, you know, were they kind or cruel? Mm. Mm. I mean, it, it really is simple, but 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 that's how I deal with with politics. You know, kind people or cruel people. Mm. And go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, good. Is there anyone on the modern political stage that you admire? Oh, now uh, I admire uh, uh, um, Bernie Sanders. Hmm. Uh, I have a $10 bet with my wife, Nancy, that I say he's going to win. And hmm. she said, no, Hillary. Hmm. Um, and um, but um, but then we we try to fantasize. What would it be like um if um, uh, if Donald Trump became president, and the first thing he would do would uh, put in mafiosi as the new Supreme Court justices, mm-hmm. he would probably legalize pot. It's a lot of money in it. Um, oh, it's an industry. Yeah, you know, I was reading um, the Patty Hearst book earlier, preparing for this, and. Uh, you know, I'm taken by, uh, reminded of how many provocateurs and government agents infiltrated what was the left or what they purported to be the left. And um, one of the things that happened over time, by the time we got to the 80s, was that a lot of the counterculture had been uh, discredited in the minds of a lot of people who weren't around because of kind of cartoon versions of of, of the counterculture on the left. And, and ha- do you have a sense of how much of that was consciously done by people wanting to discredit it and how much of it was self-destructiveness uh, by, by, by people on the left? Uh, that who, who discredited it? Well, there were provocateurs. Clearly, some of these people uh, were government agents. You seem to be saying in the book that a lot of the group that Patty Hearst was involved with were really government agents. Did I read that incorrectly? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, no, what... What the FBI did uh, in the COINTEL program, the counterintelligence, uh, they would, yeah, divide and conquer. Divide and conquer, yeah. And that's what what they did. So, the my favorite one was they they uh, they tried they they started a a, a rumor uh, that uh, Tom Hayden uh, was an informant to the FBI. <laughs> that's the worst thing they could say about him. Uh, uh, and in my case, um, you know, there was a, um, a there was an article about me in Life magazine, and it was, uh, uh, and so a, an FBI agent uh, sent a poison pen letter uh, saying he was uh, from Brooklyn College and uh, a, fa- a, a favorite, a name, Howard Rasmussen. And he was complaining about it, that uh, I was not just a social rebel, rebelling. I was uh, a, a nut, a raving, unconfined nut. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, trying to assassinate my character. I thought it was a compliment, and I used that as a uh, 
name a title for my autobiography i know confessions of a raving unconfined nut so i was i, I was very grateful to them for that you should be it's maybe the best title ever of an autobiography <laughs> you you dealt with them and a lot of uh oh, but can i can i can i uh but yes. that was yes yeah, so uh, the next year that was in 68 in 69 they put out flyers um uh, and uh, this was a, this was not in my file of of the of uh, that I got from the Freedom of Information Act of my files, but this was uh, somebody in the FBI let me know that they had a special um, uh, uh, section, new a new thing, a different file, the purpose of which was to divide uh, and conquer uh, uh, blacks and Jews. Mm. And and so they sent out a flyer, and it had on a large uh, swastika. Uh, and in the four spaces of the swastika, uh, they had uh, photos of Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, uh, myself, and uh, Mark Rudd from SDS, Students for Democratic Society. And so, uh, and then it's had headlines saying, Lampshades, 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 referring to uh, what happened in the Holocaust of uh, um, that uh, they used human skin to make lampshades. Um, and so, um, and then they said uh, uh, one thing after another about uh, uh, that the elimination of, of, of these Jewish leaders uh, uh, for all reasons that they have uh, done to uh, to uh, to to uh, blacks, uh, you know, exploiting them, uh, ripping them off, and um, and and then um, they had to get. That was uh, the New York uh, FBI. They had to get from the Washington headquarters uh, permission to to do this. And and the two top uh, J. Edgar Hoover uh, uh, assistants uh, agreed on it. They said this: um, uh, uh, just just be sure uh, uh, that this uh, facetious suggestion of, of eliminating these Jewish leaders. Just just be sure that you don't let it be known uh, who who wrote it. And I'm paraphrasing poorly, but who who wrote this and who dis and how and who distributed it uh, and um, and it struck me that you know if some uh, uh, militant black uh, got so uh, uh, thrown by by this uh, by their by whom they were supposed to be exploited uh, that uh, he killed somebody the FBI said well you know we said it was facetious Hmm. So, uh, so, so, so that's what they're like, you know. Yeah. Uh, what is meaning? What does being Jewish mean to you? I, I, I see a through line. You, you do refer to yourself as Jewish, and at the same time, you're the free thinker. How do those things uh, coexist inside oh, your no. head? No, I, I don't refer to myself as Jewish. Oh, okay. And the reason, the, the reason is because. Uh, I, I don't believe in so much uh, uh, starting with God and, and all and so many other things 
that it's it's it, it, I, it wouldn't be accurate in my mind to, mm. to, to, to describe myself as, as Jewish. Uh, that it's a religion. It's it's not like uh, um, uh, a, an Asian who had offspring saying they're not Asian. Uh, so it's 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 a, a religion, not a race. Uh, it was Hitler who said that it was a race, and so um, uh, I, I, I so I don't think that um, uh, I, I'm not saying that it's that it's uh, Nazism uh, to have that point of view, but uh, it, you, you know it it, it is. Uh, uh, it is a religion calling itself a race. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, you you appeared on television with Morton Downey and Joe Pine, among others, who were the equivalents to me of Rush Limbaugh and Donald Trump today, really extremely unpleasant bullies. Uh, how did you keep your center? I, I've seen footage of it, and you you never seem to lose your temper, and yet at the same time you were you were firm and not being pushed around by them. Was there some trick you can share with the rest of us on how to deal with with such bullies? Uh, oh yeah, the best one came. The best one came with uh, uh, Joe Pine. Uh, Joe Pine was a former Marine um, who. Uh, uh, his leg, leg had to be amputated. He lost it in World War II, I guess it must have been. Uh, and um, uh, and uh, his producers told me that, that he had seven guns, one of which he kept under his pillow. And uh, the producer told me that he got a lot of his research material from the FBI. And so he was a real right-hand thing. And he was just a bully. And uh, he... Uh, and so uh, when I was on, on I, I was looking forward to it just because to see. I mean, I, I just because I didn't I didn't take it personally, uh, and so I uh, and and so I knew he was doing it for himself, not for me. And so um, and so uh, at one point he, he was uh, asking uh, uh, questions about, and he, and he started. Uh, getting so rude, so uh, so insulting, so taking stuff out of context uh, into my personal life, and I and I finally thought it was like fencing, and I said, "Well, Joe, if you're gonna ask me questions like that, let me ask you: uh, Do you take off your wooden leg before you make love with your wife?" And I've heard the expression, uh, "His jaw dropped," but his jaw dropped. Uh, you, you know, and and this was live. I mean, in, in L.A. it was live, and then it was syndicated, uh, uh, and and that section was left out of the syndicated ones, uh, most of them, I assume. Um, and uh, and he, he 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 just went nuts and uh, didn't know uh, didn't know how to respond. And then he had people. Come up to the beef box. I think it was. It mm. was like a where where the, the audience could ask questions there, uh, and um, uh, Phil Oaks got on the line. He had driven me there, and um, and the guy and it and it was like he was trying to change the subject. Uh, uh, and he said, "Oh, you you play for the hippies, don't you?" And Phil would say, "I play for everybody." And he was just he just. Uh, 
uh, and then uh, he uh, the next the, the next uh, interviewee that had after me, he called him Mr. Krasner, and his, and then the guy said, "I'm sorry, I, I'm not." And, and he touched him, and he said, "Don't touch me! Don't touch me!" And uh, and he walked up the aisle. I was back in the seat, and as he passed by uh, passed by me uh, in um, uh, in the aisles, he just looked at me and said, "He touched me! He touched me!" And uh, so um, anyway, what? Um, uh, the producers told me there was only one other person who uh, ever ever uh, spoke back to, to Joe Pine like that, and it was Frank Zappa. Mm. And and the reason was that um, um, Joe Pine said to him, uh, yeah, you have uh, very long hair. Uh, you must be a woman. And Zappa looked at him and said, you have a wooden leg. You must be a table. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it was uh, it was a great great moments in television. Yes. Um, who is there today in the culture, whether it's comedians, writers, musicians, philosophers, political figures, who you well you said Bernie Sanders among political figures, but in the culture, who who do you admire uh, and think is kind of taking culture to the next step in the right way? Oh, let's see. Um, Louis C.K., uh, Amy Schumer, um, um, Chris Rock, um, um, Hannibal, the uh, the guy that uh, um, that came Alan, out. Bill Cosby, yeah, yeah. It, uh, um, uh, there are there, there's others too that I, I haven't even. Uh, uh, um, seen but i but i've 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 heard i've uh, you know i see little snatches of them maybe on youtube mm. um and um it's um you know i think I, I, and i think it's because you know i hear some comedians say oh there's so much um um political correctness that people you know they they get very stuffy about it but uh you, you know, if it's if it's funny, that trans transcends political incorrectness, and um, and there's more and, and and more of them. Um, it's um, you, you know, there's so much now, and Bill Cosby kind of influenced it that uh, rape jokes are uh, have come back, mm. but but now the you know. Uh, the rapists are the targets, not the women, mm. and and uh, and and I experienced that myself. Uh, that uh, I, I, you know, when uh, I, I interviewed when abortion was Ill illegal, I interviewed a, uh, a Dr. Spencer. He's dead now, uh, uh, but I promised him I would go to prison rather than uh, reveal his identity, mm. and he was. Uh, he charged women as little as five dollars. He had his cl clinic in Ashland, Pennsylvania, and uh, after I published his interview, uh, I started getting calls uh, from uh, teenagers to uh, uh, women in their fifties. I think one was no, 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 forties, uh, who were pregnant and didn't want to be pregnant. And uh, Dr. Spencer gave me permission to uh, refer them to him. And uh, and I got 
calls all the you know i became an underground uh abortion referral service and uh but i felt so strongly about it it was not uh, uh you know an abstract placard say and the war now it was people calling for help that could be taken care of and uh and if if a woman uh, went some uh uh butcher in the alley, alley that uh, uh was 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 going to do it because uh, it was illegal uh and uh he uh she needed to go to a hospital after that because uh uh she was bleeding and the 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 um, the doctors had to call the police the police would come they would tell the doctors not to um um to give them painkiller uh until they gave she gave them the information they wanted uh it it was just totally insane uh and uh so i got called between uh from two district attorneys and i refused to um uh cooperate with the grand juries but the the point is uh, on my performances on stage uh, i uh there was a line i used which was uh that i was calling for a raping of um of legislators wives uh who who were impregnated and then the uh, the legislators uh would uh uh decriminalize abortion and um my feminist friends didn't like that joke because uh you know it was making them uh feel that uh women were being raped uh uh for for being married to somebody you know it was yeah yeah and and so i re, uh you know my target of it, of course was hypocrisy but right. but i could understand that and i had enough empathy to uh to to stop using it uh uh you know but i did a lot of a lot of uh, um self uh, uh soul searching and i realized that it it wasn't just uh, uh that i was compromising uh, and and being censor- censoring myself but that it was ev- evolving into a, a a better joke about rape that uh that uh that wouldn't that wouldn't hurt the people i was trying to help so this idea of helping people and being for peace and decency and as you said earlier <laughs> kindness where did that set of values come from what, 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 how, how, do you have any sense of what inspired you to, to, to embrace and commit your life to those values? Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think it was um, uh, my parents were kind, so they were my uh, mm. uh, role models. And, uh, uh, you know, my uh, um i i my parents were were my my mother once said uh i, I think it's a it was a cliche uh but it but it for her it was it was uh wisdom you know uh when uh, she's um she, she said nothing ventured nothing gained and i took that as my marching orders mm. you know uh and my father once talked about the law of supply and demand and uh, and i that became uh, a a new prism to look at the universe through uh, and and see how how true it was not just in uh, um not just in cons- consumerism but but that was uh 
the, the, the key to it. And, and my last conversation with him was I, was, I thanked him for, giving, for, for, for telling me about that because I got, it gave me such perspective. And he said, oh, I don't believe in that stuff anymore. <laughs> and, and, and I asked him why. And he was uh, um, uh, uh, like a minimalist. He said, the manipulation of the human mind. Mm. That that was what, uh, why. And I hadn't seen a, uh, uh, a uh, minimalism like that until I met Bob Dylan when I, uh, I asked him, uh, how come you're learning Hebrew? And he said, I can't speak it. and when i asked him about the holocaust and he said i resented it so he really chose his words carefully he's pretty good with words so are you my so are you my friend uh you're you're a great uh great guy to do this a mensch and uh i suspect we'll we'll uh if there is another life, I hope I get to be friends with you there as well. Anybody interested in this guest of mine, paulkrasner.com. This is Danny Goldberg for Rock and Rolls. All right. You are a, a, a better friend than I could have. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm as good a friend as you could have. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to Danny Goldberg's Rock and Rolls Hour. We appreciate your support and hope you will continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash Danny. Thank you. <laughs>